Hi everyone. Welcome. It's Atomic Radio Hour episode 2. 23, how are you? You're looking fantastic today. Hope you guys are well. Hope you guys are feeling fantastic. Got some fun things to talk about today. I want to kick it off by saying once again happy birthday to the Fallout series itself. We're still in the month of Fallout as I'm calling it. It's also Monster Month. Timing and names are not not something that I thought of congruently, uh, but this is like a community thing, and for us, Monster Month is just kind of an at-us thing, because it being October. The 10th was the 25th anniversary of Fallout. I haven't watched yet. Uh, Ken of Chad with Oxhorn did a stream where they interviewed Tim Kane and Leonard Boyarski, and I haven't watched it yet. I've seen some clips, and it just seemed really... Uh, it just seemed awesome. I mean to watch it while I'm at work. The few clips that I've seen are really touching that Tim Kaine sees like what has happened with the thing that he created and talks about it openly. It's nice to see everybody rallying around, rallying around this. It's really nice to see that there's people, because for such a long time, Fallout just felt like a game that I knew that I showed my friends and there was very little discussion about it online in my sphere that I saw. So to me, it's awesome to see all of this now. Speaking of the original Fallouts, I did stream Fallout 1, and I labeled, and I and, and that time I thought it was going to be it. I have a note card where I wrote down a build that's like an essential build for you to play. Uh, I got pretty much to the Brotherhood of Steel in, about, in under three hours. I'm not tomato anus. I didn't try to speed run it, but I, I got to a certain point, and I really thought I had it. I got stuck doing a Decker quest. But I've been trying to watch more videos on, on, on how people are playing Fallout 1 on builds and on strategy and whatnot. And I think what I missed out on is I picked up Ian in Shady Sands, but I didn't pick up Dogmeat in Junktown or Tycho. And next time, if I pick up Tycho and Dogmeat as companions, I take them with me. I think I have a better chance at, at doing this because when I get caught up, I'll get caught up doing the Decker quest when you have to go attack some people, and then I'll get caught up in a Brotherhood quest saving a Brotherhood initiate so I can get power armor. That's where I think having the extra companions is going to help. I'm going to try to get as many companions as I can, uh, just so they can come with me, and it's extra, essentially extra turns in combat that I don't have to worry about as much. And... I'm, I really want to beat it. I'm not holding myself to Sunday the... Uh, geez, uh, geez, uh, geez, oh, geez, the 16th. I'm not holding myself to Sunday the 16th, but if you're hearing this on a Saturday, it comes out. I might be streaming sometime on Sunday the 16th, Mountain Standard Time. I don't know when I'd like to get on about 3 p.m. and just stream until I'm done. I really, really, really want to beat Fallout 1, because then I want to try and beat Fallout 2. Because I haven't beat Fallout 2, and I have less time in Fallout 2 than I have in Fallout 1. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I'll beat it. I'll beat it eventually. I know I will. I have it deep in me bones that I'm going to beat it. But speaking of celebrations, speaking of way to celebrate things, to show admiration for, for things that we love, I'm trying to beat Fallout 1. And I love that game, honestly. Like, I haven't beaten it. And I have a very hard time with it. It's very frustrating, but I love it. Like, I love the atmosphere of it, and I love how slow it is, and I love the architecture. But there are some celebrations going on towards the end of the month, and I would love to see you there. I would love for as many Fallout fans to see it. Uh, the 22nd and the 23rd of October uh, 2022 in the year of our Lord, 
there are some Fallout meetups. Uh, West Virginia, Good Springs, Nevada, Boston, Massachusetts, and Washington, D.C. is where we are having some meetups. That is all organized by the Fallout for Hope guys. Ken Vigu is doing that. Uh, he's in charge of that. And I will be at D.C. I said this a little bit last week. I just kind of wanted to bring it up again. It is for St. Jude. Uh, we'll be raising money. There is a walk that's going to happen. It's a cosplay thing. So people are going to show up in vault suits and hopefully one dude's in power armor. Hopefully. And it's going to be a fun time. I uh, currently have something. If you, if you, if you, if you're watching this and you're going to the thing, if you're going to the, the celebration and you see me, please come up to me. I have something for you. Um, I should have something for you. I'm working on it. I just got it the other day. I have to put some things together, but I should have something for you. So please do not hesitate. If you come up to me and you're just like, hey, shithead from the internet, like just come up, say hello. I will have a gift for you. Um, I will have something to hand you. It's going to be a fun time. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Like really, really, really looking forward to it. Uh, I get to see my family. I get to meet a bunch of people who are very much into this series. Like I am. And I want to celebrate with these people. It's going to be only a few hours, but it's going to be a fun time. Also, just a side note as we're talking about celebrations. If anybody, like, gets their hands on a sealed copy of Fallout 3, I've seen a couple online. But if anybody, like, message me, I'll be more than happy to pay you for it. I'll be more than happy to pay for the shipping and what have you. Um, let me know. I'm looking for a sealed copy of Fallout 3. Preferably with the sticker that says, do not sell before this date. Sealed, though. Like, like not cellophane on. Uh, preferably the 360 version, because that's what I grew up playing. I will take a PS3 or a PC version. Anyway, 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 anyway. The DC meetup will be happening very shortly. I will have footage for that. I think it'll be a time and a half to share with all of you. If you guys, I want to know how you guys are celebrating this. If this is something passive for you, if it's just, oh, look, here's a bunch of cool, neat stuff that just is kind of here, or if this means something to you like it means something to me. It, it, you see a community coming together and you see all these things. I'm surprised they haven't released a t-shirt, to be completely honest. They might have. I was on the Bethesda store the other night and I didn't see it. So I, I'm not sure. Um, the, the, the gear shop. But I'd like to know how you're celebrating. So please, in the comments, tell me how you're doing this. Are you replaying any of your any of the games that you love? Because once I beat Fallout 1, I'd really like to stream Fallout 3 a little more. Because I've been kind of off and on with Framkey Grundlechew. Uh <laughs> I hope I listen to this episode in like two years from now. I'm like, what the fuck is a Framkey Grundle chew? Just let me know in the comments below. Please and thank you. I love you. So to bring it to some real world connotation, I am one who is excited for the apocalypse. I, for one, welcome our new radioactive overlords. And things are rough. And it's no surprise i think that things are rough in this cold cold world that we have that we found ourselves in today in this day and age and i have this tweet that i saw from the associated press someone who i think is like dependable reliable i don't know i don't think anybody is anymore but hey breaking news this is from october the 6th president biden says the risk of nuclear Armageddon is at its highest level since the 1962 missile crisis, as Russian officials speak of the possibility of using tactical nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons, 
after suffering massive setbacks in Ukraine. If you follow me on Twitter, which, hey, link in the description below. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that I tweeted something akin to, let's fucking get this over with already. I don't know how much you guys think about the idea of a hard reset. I know this is a little dark for some people, but uh, I think it might be good for us. And it kind of comes to the point where I don't think there ever will be a real hard reset for humanity solely because of the internet and because of how connected we all are. If we had a hard reset even 30, 40 years ago, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Just just, just maybe we, we uh, could go back to cavemen and hitting each other with sticks and rocks. We would be like the opening to 2001. Someone would discover the bone. The monolith would be there. We would destroy each other. But how much of this is cyclical and how much of this will repeat and what have you? It's scary to think about it. I always, I should have provisions and I don't. Um, I'll say that straight up and down. I should start collecting. I should carve out a little part of my closet that's just cans and water, toilet paper, a radio, batteries. I should and I don't. Uh, but it like you know it, i think just preparing for anything uh be it nuclear annihilation or you know uh the stock market crashing again or another insurrection if you're in the states or what have you uh, preparing for anything it's just basic life skills like i don't know i could have a blizzard tomorrow i live in colorado my guy i could have a blizzard tomorrow that's three feet of snow and i can't leave my place and you know, this little community building that I live in could be all we have and we have to fight and stay together and there will be a hierarchy and there will be a leader and we shall come together and overcome and our, our, our building will take over the building on the other side of the street. There will be a great war or maybe we'll have trade relations and we have cans of pe or jars of peanut butter if you have jars of potted meat or cans of potted meat and we can trade and then we can trade women. Like, it's a thing that, like, in my mind, I could just go. Like, I could just go on and on but but it's, it's, you know, you should prepare, like prepare for the future today, like get ready for it, have something set aside. I should have just, like I said, I should, at the bare minimum, I should have toilet paper, peanut butter and water, maybe like a couple days worth of food. I really want to try MREs. I think that'd be something fun that would be like to do just for the YouTube channel. That's like not just podcast content, but like a YouTube video where it's like, hey, I'm Vince. This is an MRE. I'm going to try it. And then I just do it. Like, I think that could be fun. I think it'd be something people would watch. The end of days may be upon us, my friends. And it is a glorious, glorious time. Truly, truly, truly. So once again, happy Fallout 25 to everybody out there. There's some new updates that came out on Starfield. I'm not going to lie to you. They came out the day I'm recording. And I haven't really looked into it super super much it seems like little stuff uh the biggest thing seems to be that there is over two hundred and fifty thousand written lines of dialogue meaning that the next elder scrolls game is probably going to be more which means that the next fallout game is probably going to be more so i'm excited i like talking in games the more and more i see about starfield the more and more i get more excited and i try not to hype myself up because hype is bad but I can see myself putting, I can see myself putting at least a hundred hours, maybe 150, 200 hours into Starfield. And it's exciting to think, oh, hey, there might be a game that I want to play. And it will be on Game Pass and what have you. But I think I'm going to buy me a physical copy. 
I just feel like it's one of those games where I should buy the physical for it. I'm going to play a shit ton of it. And if I don't feel like renewing Game Pass, which I probably won't, I'll have it. And I can always go back and play it. I'd like to know if you guys are excited for Starfield, what you're excited for. I want to be a bad pirate man, like really badly. But that's just me. And other than that, I really don't have much else to say. So I'd like to get right into this week's lore. But before we get into the lore, I have to thank the Patreon. Starting from the top, I have to thank some beautiful folks who have helped me for a for quite a long time and supported the show and because of you guys i can continue to do what i'm doing starting from the top i have to thank the og noah thank you noah after noah i have to thank danny thank you danny after danny i have to thank marcus thank you marcus and last but certainly not least i have to thank t p thank you t p i hope you guys are well thank you for sticking around thank you for watching uh like i said because of you i continue to do this I thank you immensely, but now it is time to get into the meat and the potatoes of the show, this week's lore. Now, like I've said, this is Monster Month 2022, and this is the third week of Monster Month, and I want to do things that are a little different. The first week of Monster Month, I did the floaters of Fallout 2 and 76, then I did the geckos of Fallout 2 and New Vegas, and now... This week, I wanted to go to Fallout 3. I kind of want to tackle pretty much a mainline game every week. So I went to Fallout 3 and I said, what haven't I done? I know I've done Centaurs. I've done Super Mutants to an extent. I'm pretty sure I've done Ghouls to an extent. What else is out there? And I didn't want to do Trogs because I know I've done Trogs. And then it hit me. Point Lookout. A DLC that last time I was streaming Fallout 3, I'm currently doing, and I've only done it once or twice, and it's been a very long time since I've done it, so I wanted to do it again. I've started it. I think I like just got off the boat. I don't think I've done anything else, other than talk to Desmond Lockhart, and that's really it. I did his quest. Super fun. And that's it. So I thought to myself, who am I going to do? What monsters? And it hit me. So this week is week three of Monster Month 2022. Usually I ask the Discord a question. But since it's Monster Month, I'm picking out the lore questions until November. And this week's lore that I have chosen for Monster Month is on the Swamp Folk. A Fallout 3's DLC point lookout. Now I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com. I do have my notes with me today, but towards the end I will be checking the wiki just to double check some things and talk more in depth about the variants of people that are the Swamp Folk. A mutated type of human that inhabit Point Lookout in the year of 2277. Descendant of locals from Point Lookout. They have a closed-off behavior that was present even before the Great War, before post-war. Uh, a big thing with them, and I get I have it written in my notes, is they are stereotypical hicks. They are very much like they don't they ha they have a very unique way of speaking. Um, I believe the exact examples on the wiki was I seize you and uh, I's gonna kill you. Uh, just, just, just English that isn't correct through years of poor education, inbreeding, and to pile on top of that nuclear fallout. They are very territorial and incredibly inbred. I have written exactly in my notes. Hostile, hostile towards any sort of outsider. They are only cool, they're only really cool with marsh folk, which are other people that live there that are locals, but they're not swamp folk. So, 
they're normals, which is a really shitty way to say people that aren't inbred and irradiated. The marsh folk are still considered locals in their eyes. Now, they have a religion all, all to their own. It is a rudimentary, rudimentary belief system based on the, uh, uh, the cult leader of Constantine Blackhall. It's somewhat of like a, a voodoo-esque religion. Uh, that's what it kind of, that's what it's derivative of, in a sense. Uh, you can kind of see the, the inspiration that they, they put into it through things like voodoo. They decorate their living spaces with straw dolls and trees, bone totems, teddy bears, mannequin heads, and various other dolls strewn about as part of their rituals. Some speculate that they believe in their own entity completely devoid of what Black Hall had taught them uh, called Ugg. Q-U-A-L-T-O-T-H. I believe that's Ugg Quilithoth. It will be on screen the way it is spelled behind me, Ugg Quilithoth. The the religion that they have, like I said, is is derivative. It's been inspired to or related to uh, Voodoo, Santeria, and Obeth. Now, Constantine Blackhall was able to take hold of the swamp people with the help of the Krevblinth. Now, the Krevblinth is the Fallout Universe's version of the necronomicon uh it's 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 a book that deals in the occult uh ug quilithoth is believed to have been some sort of either from that or derived from that most of what the swamp folk believe in at this point they're not sure if even the lessons or the teachings that black hall had given has any real grasp on these people or if it's just tradition for the sake of tradition but her teachings, some form of her teachings has carried on until 2277. She lived an, an unusually long time after the bombs fell, and a lot of people uh, equated it to the Krevbalinth. They thought because she had the Krevbalinth and because she was teaching these words that the gods or, or deities that she was preaching of kept her alive to spread that word and took hold of the swamp people with their poor education and their incredibly inbred families. At some point, somebody stole the Krevbalinth from her and she died shortly after. Now, it's not known if the swamp people took the Krevbalinth or not, or if someone else took it. Could have been anybody else, but the, the, the swamp people still believe in her teachings. They still follow, they still believe in the words that came from the Krevbalinth. The swamp folk are one inbred, like I've been repeating. They're also incredibly close-minded. And in the 2050s, the new plague swept through Point Lookout and affected them tremendously. And because of the mixture of the fallout of the new plague and the nuclear fallout, they developed a trademark Point Lookout look because of this. Uh, It was not directly, Point Lookout was not directly hit by a bomb, but the fallout, the nuclear fallout, affected them tremendously. There was a thing that happened when, I want to say it was like 2009, 2010, 2011. There was the nuclear nuclear reactor in Japan that had been damaged. And there was parts of California that were being affected by the fallout because of that. So whichever way the wind blows is going to be taken the brunt of the damage after the bombs go off. One of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard about a nuclear attack is it 
It's not the bomb that gets you. It's everything after. If you are at the, the center point where the bomb goes off, you're incredibly lucky. You're vaporized. You went from being alive to being dust in a matter of moments. If you are anywhere outside the blast radius, you are in for a, a nightmare, a hellish situation. And these people got that. Not to mention, before the war, when the Great Plague was sweeping through Point Lookout, this dramatically affects the population of these people. So they're running low on people, resources, hope. And then all of a sudden, that something like that, like if a town really got hit by COVID, like that town is going to be devastated for a, an incredibly long time. Even if it's just the people who had to live through it that will remember it. Like I said, they're stereotypical hicks. They speak... They, they drop out words and they drop out letters out of simple phrases and they're shortened and they sound like they have mushed mouths. Those aren't the people that people want to help. Like just, just speaking like stereotypically, people don't want to help Billy Bob, Joe, Cream, Bob, Sleeve Pants because they're not attractive people. They're not, they're, they're looked down upon instead of saying, hey, maybe we can educate them and help them. No, 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 they're ugly. Fuck them. Now, because this is supposed to be such a late game DLC the swamp folk like tribals do an additional 35 damage to the player character with all of the weapons they normally use due to an object enhancement in the add-ons data files just meaning you're not in there just blowing through them and they're incredibly hard i remember the first time i ever played this just like wanting to cry with how hard it was because just i'm i'm a level 30 character and i'm getting schwapped some of the types are the brawlers Large, but not as large as the trackers and bruisers. They wear clothes that actually fit them, which are overalls and an orange shirt underneath. They are tougher than scrappers, but somewhat weaker than creepers. And a <laughs> I know there's like a meme where the wiki's not written perfectly, but that's just like, they're kind of like this, but not really like that, but sort of like this, if you kind of count this, but kind of like that, but not really like this. Uh, they are roughly on par with super mutant brutes. In terms of durability and in skill. Bruisers. Bruisers are stronger and have substantial more, substantially more health than trackers. And like creepers are covered in blood. The bill tag on the jumpsuit that they wear, the shirt they wear, is still readable. Like trackers, they engage in only melee combat and use axes. Again, like trackers, even when unequipped, they still inflict large amounts of damage with only their fists. In fact, bruisers have an even higher unarmed damage rating than death claws. They also punch very fast, making blocking very difficult. Like their tracker cousins, they are slower than death claws or feral ghoul reavers and lack ranged attacks. The creeper, aw man. Creepers share the same body structure as scrappers, but have blonde hair and blood on their hands, chest, mouth, pants, and boots. These, in my opinions, are the scariest. They are stronger and have almost three times as much health as scrappers and are slightly more durable than super mutant masters. These dudes have no jaw and no shirt. These dudes are just as scary. The scrappers are the smallest and the weakest of the swamp folk. They're skinny with distended bellies and only wear pants and boots. They, you know they're not wearing socks, too. Ugh. Ugh, if there's anything I hate is when people don't wear socks. Just wear some socks. They have somewhat more health than regular super mutants. They also appear to have the least amount of mutation disfiguration on their skin and body, excluding their body structure, compared to other swamp folk of Point Lookout. The Tracker. 
trackers are very large swamp folk standing roughly seven feet tall who use axes to attack strangers in close combat. This class of swamp folk will either attack the lone wanderer in hand-to-hand combat or fisticuffs, or use melee weapons like axes due to the fact that the trackers have extremely swollen, clubbin-like fingers. This means it would be nearly impossible to fit those fingers around a trigger. They run with a hop in their step and are very strong and durable. Like the bruiser, even when unequipped, they can still inflict large amounts of damage with only their fists. Trackers are not strongly affected by the dart gun, their legs crippled, they can still run at close to normal speed. Also, while they run, also while they run, they show at least a small amount of intelligence, or at least instinct, as they put one of their swollen arms in front of their face, making it harder to score a headshot in vats. They can survive somewhat more damage than a Deathclaw or a Sentry Bot, but are slower than Deathclaws. Not gonna go super deep into it, but there are some Marsh Folk that are associated with the Swamp Folk, like Kenny, Marguerite, I'm never sure how to say this, Obadiah, Blackhall, and Haley. Just some notes in behind the scenes for you. Swamp Folk are registered as creatures in the Gek and function like Point Lookout's version of Super Mutants. They also make the same walking sound as the Super Mutants. Even the smaller ones make this noise. The player character can wait and fast travel while close to Swamp Folk that have not noticed them. Creepers and Scrappers can fire lever-action rifles at speeds comprehensible to firing a sniper rifle at top speed. The Swamp Folk mark their territory with voodoo-like idols. Some Swamp Folk may carry human flesh. Mmm, cannibalism. Swamp Folk can be observed dancing around the Beachview campsite, but nowhere else in Point Lookout, and only after the conclusion of the main Point Lookout questline. Fun. Some behind-the-scenes for you... Kids at home. During development of Point Lookout, the original plan was for the Swamp Folk to be a single model, and the production and animation of that model would be outsourced to another studio. Three concepts were drafted for what was supposed to be the only new character type in Point Lookout, but due to the communication mishap, all three designs were shared with the outsourced studio and created. This was not caught until all the work was completed and the models and animation All the work was completed on the models and animation. Lead designer Joel Burgess compared the incident to receiving extra pizza from a store that could not be returned. That happened to me once. I didn't get pizza. I ordered wings, and they sent me the wrong order. I ordered two dozen wings, and they sent me four dozen wings. And I didn't say anything, but the people who should have got them were very upset. I don't know that to be factual. I can only imagine. In the... Sound files for Point Lookout, there are sound files of what is believed to be female Swamp Folk. The text for the quotes are almost the same as the male ones, except the voice lines are placeholder recordings performed by a man in place of a future recording by a woman, which never actually happened. Female Swamp Folk were not included because the enemies were originally only supposed to be one model anyway, and development never got that far. Uh, The file is DLC04 Female Yokel. During development, Swamp Folk would spawn infinitely and sometimes be found waiting in masses outside of the interior exits, which lead artist Nathan Purkpile described as his favorite bug that was fixed pre-release to Point Lookout. In regards to the dancing animation that was done outside of the Beachview campsite, uh, Burgess 
again, the designer that I spoke about previously stated that Bethesda had a ratchet, his words, ratchet, motion capture setup in the studio at the time. And the team convinced the level designer, Jeff Brown, to do a hoedown in the mocap equipment. As a rather tall person, Brown had the right proportions for the animation. Brown ended up dancing for about 45 minutes, and the animation was almost cut because they kept Brown in the mocap for too long. Years later, Brown became a mocap artist for Bethesda on Starfield. Cool. Imagine just being like, yeehaw, just gonna do me a little jiggity jag and get on with it. And then now you're like a, a well-paid man. The Swamp Folk were referred to as Hill Folk in several pre-release media articles. Nice. I have to say, some of this is non-game, uh, and it, it, it's sorted outside. Uh, some of them are sorted from different magazines, and some of them are like the Fallout 4, uh, which is weird because it's Fallout 3, but like the Fallout 4 official guide, they kind of talk about like the development of things. According to Jeff Gardner, a lead producer, Swamp Folk take inspiration from the films The Hills Have Eyes and the movie Deliverance in an ironic sense. The point lookout look that I referred to earlier that the Swamp Folk have may be a reference to the phenomenon of the Innsmouth look from HP Lovecraft from the HP Lovecraft novella The Shadow Over Innsmouth, which is a result of a a local contained population engaging in inbreeding as well as breeding with amphibious monsters they worship. I need to read Lovecraft. I need to read that book because that's it's really all I have for you on the Swamp Folk of Fallout 3's DLC point lookout. And that, my friends, is in fact this week's lore. Hey, gang. Welcome back from the lore segment. Hope you're well. Hope to see you in DC. Hope to see you on the stream sometime. I know I always say I want to do it and I never get around to, but I really, really would like to. I'd like to do it more and more and more and more. Um, but you know, time's a motherfucker, man. I hope you guys are well. I really don't have much more to say. That's really all I have planned for you this week. I know tomorrow at work, some big fallout news is going to happen. I would not be surprised. I'm calling it now. I would not be surprised if fallout one and two gets put on the switch or they announce that they're working on a remake remaster would not be surprised. I don't know if that's true or not. I hope it is. I hope you guys are well. I love you very much. If you like the intro music, it is by the one and only Shane Ivers, silvermansounds.com slash free music for all of his heaters. But if you throw slash feather duster at the end, you can find the intro song feather duster link in the description to the Twitter, mine, Kyle's and the shows. Uh, you can follow us there. Join the discord. When we get out of October, I'm going to start asking the discord for recommendations on lore. Again, there is a link to the red bubble. Where you can support in a small monetary way. Uh, there's a link to the Patreon. Thank you to the patrons. I love you. You can support in a larger way. But hey, just sharing this with a friend, just telling somebody about it, passing the name around helps tremendously. I hope you guys are well. I hope you guys have found love in your heart, and I hope you guys have found some sort of contentment. I love you very much. My name has been Vince, and I will see you guys next week. Bye, everybody.